Hey, everybody, it's Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And if you like me, you're always looking for a new true crime podcast to listen to that's cool and different and unique. Well, let me introduce you to Crime Salad. It's a true crime podcast, and each week, the hosts Ashley and Ricky dive in and investigate sudden disappearances, mysterious deaths, unsuspected massacres, and more. You never know which case they'll bring up next, so always tune in. You're about to hear a preview of Crime Salad. While you're listening, subscribe to Crime Salad via the link in the episode description on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. While Philip's mom, the police, and Danver High's principal were looking for Philip, Colleen's parents were also growing concerned about their daughter. Not one to not reply to a message or to not let her parents know her plans. She never made it home after work and no one had heard from her or seen her after the school day ended. Tom and Peggy drove to Danvers High School and found that Colleen's car was still in the parking lot. They searched through the school as best they could, but they didn't see any sign of her. They contacted others who knew Colleen, including another math teacher who worked with Colleen at Danvers, but no one had seen her. At 11.20 p.m. that night, only a few hours after Philip's mother reported her son missing, the Ritzers reported their daughter as missing. Colleen's co-workers, who knew Colleen was missing, and had just received the email that Philip was missing, became very suspicious and called the principal. Two people from the high school couldn't be found, and police had learned that Philip was in Colleen's last period class. There seemed to be a strong possibility that these two cases were related, but police didn't seem to know how. There was some blood in the bathroom and some blood found in the recycling bin outside the school. Neither Colleen or Philip had not been found. About an hour after Colleen had been reported missing to police, a little after midnight, Philip had been picked up by police in Topsfield, a small town of 7,000 just north of Danvers. Philip was seen walking down the side of a dark highway carrying a backpack. Police pulled over to make sure the young man was all right. When they noticed blood on him, they patted him down and searched his backpack. And in his backpack, investigators found a bloody box cutter, a mask, gloves, and his sweatshirt. He was also carrying Colleen's credit cards, driver's license, and underwear. When asked about the blood... Philip only replied, the girl. Fearing the worst for Colleen, police took Philip into custody that night. A few hours later, in the early morning hours of October 23rd, Colleen Ritzer's bloody body was found in the woods by the school, about 60 feet from where the recycling bin was found. She had been poorly covered with leaves and other debris. The autopsy found that Colleen had been stabbed 16 times and her throat had also been cut. She was raped twice, once with a tree branch that was found nearby. Colleen's empty purse, bloody clothes, and the bloody gloves were found close by. And chillingly, there was also a folded up, handwritten note near Colleen that read, I hate you all. Philip was questioned after he was found walking in Topsville but he wasn't immediately charged with Colleen's death. In the trial, the defense would argue that Philip Chisholm's interview with police should not be accepted as Philip's mother asked for a lawyer. 
but Philip didn't. Given that he was 14 years old, Philip was seen as old enough to consent to questioning and ask for a lawyer himself, meaning that his mother's insistence on a lawyer didn't matter. During the questioning, Philip willingly told authorities that he wasn't looking for help so much as he was looking for an escape. He wanted to go to juvie. During the interview, Philip admitted to killing Colleen, but he minimized the extent of her injuries. He said that he hit her and cut her throat twice, only the second time breaking the skin. He also denied any sexual attack. In 2017, Philip's taped interview and confession were unsealed, but they can only be viewed at the courthouse itself, and copies cannot be made. A week after she was killed, a memorial was held at Colleen's church. About 1,000 people came to pay their respects, about 400 of which were Danver High School students, many of which shared the positive impact Colleen had on them during her time as their teacher. At the trial, there was some uncertainty about when Colleen actually died, which Philip's lawyers capitalized on this. They argued that she was dead by the time Philip had moved her into the woods. Because of that, they argued he should be acquitted of the rape in the woods. The prosecution, on the other hand, believed the final cause of death were stabs to the neck, which appeared to have occurred once he had brought her outside. The argument made by Philip's lawyers, while perhaps legally sound, highlights how the justice system can exploit technicalities, often at the expense of a victim. Whether she was dead or alive during that moment in the woods is truly beyond horrific what Philip Chisholm did. Philip's lawyers did not deny that he had committed the crime. Instead, he argued that Philip had a severe mental illness, which prompted the attack, and that this has been exacerbated by his recent move to a new state and the start of a high school without the support system he had grown up with in Tennessee. One psychiatrist for the defense stated that Philip was hearing voices and having a psychotic break. The defense seemed to suggest that by simply mentioning Tennessee, Colleen had triggered him to become so enraged at her that he could no longer control himself, and that's why he attacked her. 